Welcome to Explore, Teach, Conserve, or the ETC podcast by the University of Minnesota Extension, where we talk with people about exploring, making discoveries, and solving problems to better manage our natural resources, and we share ideas to help you learn more and get involved. This is an older episode from when we used a different title, The Naturalist, but the conversation and ideas are still fresh. If you enjoy it, we hope you'll subscribe and listen to more episodes of Explore, Teach, Conserve, or the ETC. Welcome to the Naturalist Podcast by the University of Minnesota Extension. I'm Nate Meyer, your host today, and we are excited to talk with Gary Wyatt from the University of Minnesota Extension's forestry program. He'll share some interesting tips about getting your trees and yards ready for winter, or even planting some new woody edibles. Stay tuned for a special announcement at the very end of this episode, too. Hi, Gary. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Nate. It's great to join you today. I'm uh, happy to be here. We're happy to have you, too. So let's dig in. Our listeners may not be familiar with you and your program, so let's start by having you tell us a little bit about your programming and your role in Extension. Sure. My name, again, is Gary Wyatt. I'm an Extension Educator with the University of Minnesota Extension. I'm based out of the Mankato Regional Office. I live further west in the Prairie Zone of Minnesota. Uh, I teach agroforestry, and uh, there's five practices of agroforestry, uh, windbreaks, repairing forest buffers, silvopasture, alley cropping, and forest farming. And I'd like to talk about edibles uh, at various places. I know the pandemic has given many people more time to spend in their yards and their local natural surroundings. Now the season is changing again and bringing new opportunities to spend some time outdoors. So let's talk about some of the things that our listeners can be looking for and preparing for as autumn and winter falls. Yeah, some of our homeowners, landowners might have been planting uh, some deciduous trees and some conifer trees, pine and, and spruce trees possibly this year. Those conifer trees really need to be watered uh, probably the first five years of growth uh, from October to freeze up when the soil freezes up. Uh, a lot of times we can prevent some of the, the winter injury of the browning and needles if we keep the conifers watered as we go into the winter season. But deciduous trees, anything planted this year and, and even uh, couple years ago really need to be watered to soil freeze up. If they have been around for a long time, then maybe we don't have to worry so much about watering. That's right. The older trees are certainly adapted to deeper root systems and more spread out root systems that allow them to survive cold winters and obviously harden up for winter. So they're they're more likely to live through the winter without as much water. But the young trees that are just getting started are very shallow root systems and especially conifers really need to be watered that first couple of years of growth. Are there any disease or damage concerns that our listeners should be watching for and preparing for? There's some damage uh, due to thinly bark trees. So if you have cherry, crabapple, locust, linden, maple, mountain ash, and plum trees, these all have thin bark structures on their bark system and their trunk system, and they really need to be protected with a white either wrap or a white plastic tree guards going into winter to prevent sun scald. Sun scald occurs when the sun heats up the bark, usually on the south side of the tree, and then uh, maybe a cloud cover or building covers up the sun for a while, and a rapid freeze-up of the bark takes place, damaging the, the tissues of the xylem phloem and the 
tissues inside the bark, causing it to crack. So sunscald is the cracking due to winter damage. And we always uh, in, invite people to look at the opportunities of protecting their tree trunks and stems with some type of white tree guards or white wraps. A lot of times uh, extension offices get calls in the springtime about winter injury or the browning of needles in, in the springtime of the year where we have a lot of winter damage uh, to our conifers, uh, needle trees like pine and spruce. So uh, you can actually look at burlap wraps. Uh, arborvitaes are particularly prone to winter injury on the south side of the house or the landscape. If you have uh, reoccurring damage, you may want to consider burlap wraps. So you can wrap the, the trees, their arborvitaes or uh, hemlocks or yews that uh, grow upright uh, and have winter damage that are occurring normally. Uh, you can protect them with burlap wraps or burlap barriers. Uh, and this is the time of the year to do that, uh, probably right in freeze up when the soil freezes up and when we, we have the cold weather starting in the, in the winter time. Usually the tree guards and tree wraps are found in local garden stores. It could be hardware stores, could be farm stores. Uh, usually those are available right now this time of year. What about other plants and animals underneath and around the trees? Is there anything else that you encourage our listeners to watch for or tackle in the next few months as the weather cools? Right, the most damaging wildlife uh, mammals to trees are mice, voles, rabbits, and deer. Homeowners really need to be aware of those particular uh, critters that can uh, chew the bark. And if they girdle the tree bark around the stem, uh, totally it will kill the above growing part of the tree. Uh, I had a uh, apple tree planted in uh, my orchard and it drifts very heavily in there. And that's another recommendation to check your trees in the wintertime. So it drifted very heavily in the wintertime and it actually drifted over the tree guards that I had on the apple trees that I planted. So the rabbits actually girdled that stem that was probably three or four feet tall off the ground and killed the above growing part of the tree. So it's not really good to see your, your nice apple tree or a, a tree that you planted girdled around the stem and then the above part just die off in the next spring. So you wanna really protect your trees with some tree guards uh, these could be uh, a wire mesh, a hardware cloth, the chicken wire, uh, could be uh, also white tree wraps or uh, plastic tree guards that you can spin around the uh, trunk of the tree uh, and those protect the, the tree as well. For mice and voles, you may want to make sure the guard is a little bit into the soil. Maybe two to three inches is recommended that you kind of dig around the soil there and, and really bury that tree tube or a wrap into the soil so the so the voles and mice uh, that burrow into the, in the soil and grass don't don't get into that area of the tree and then and then girdle it down there. Also, you want to remove all the grass uh, and uh, vegetation around these plants going into winter. That way, uh, most of the uh, varmints will not go into that area because of the lack of vegetation. Deer are also a big big predator, and uh, you need to protect your white pine, white cedars, anything white. It seems like the deer are attracted to and uh, you can bud cap them with uh, stapling a, a piece of paper on the top leader or terminal bud. You can also do some fencing, but the fencing has to be really tall, eight feet tall. Wire cylinder fencing could be six feet tall. If it's closer to the tree, they're not going to jump into it. Electric fencing can be done. Repellents are also used. Uh, some homemade and commercial products are available at garden stores. Yeah, some homemade products, uh, people have used human hair, pet hair, soaps, mothballs, uh, and egg and pepper mixes. You can try those. Usually you have to apply those after a snowfall or after rain and, and after winter conditions, after a month or so, uh, you'll have to reapply some of those repellents. 
Our listeners love to learn more about and help with natural history, citizen science, or you know, protecting natural resources in the ways that you're talking about. Are there places on our extension site or some other places that you would recommend where they can find some good fact sheets or other information about winterizing their yards neighborhood, in neighborhood nature areas? Yes, the University of Minnesota has some great uh, resources. I mean, the University of Minnesota Extension has uh, Protecting Trees in Winter. It's on our Extension website. Also, there's a uh, publication written by uh, John Lorgreen from the University of Minnesota, uh, How to Manage Deer Damage on Trees and Other Plants. That's available on our Extension website, uh, extension.umn.edu. You can search for those. Also, there's a really neat preventive and control of wildlife damage publication and handbook. Uh, done by the University of Nebraska. You can just do a Google search on prevention and control of wildlife damage and look for University of Nebraska. It should come up. So on a personal note, I know you're also an avid forester and a naturalist who's enjoyed opportunities to nature in place while we've been uh, sheltering in place during the COVID pandemic this spring and summer. What's been one of your favorite moments or discoveries you've made? Nate, I think with this COVID, uh, our forestry team decided to do some edible uh, documentation of some edibles in our landscapes uh, that are naturally occurring both in uh, home yards and woodlands. And I think that this spring was really interesting to do that after COVID struck and we were all working from home and, and doing some, some work and extra studies of uh, edibles and plantain to stinging nettles to burdock and all kinds of different things that you wouldn't think about eating. Uh, we talked about. I think that was a kind of an eye-opener to me, and, and actually a lot of our teammates in Extension worked good to, together to, to document that, and I think it'll be on the web probably for next spring, uh, a little bit more than this year. When you look forward, what are you going to be paying attention to and looking out for during the coming seasons? I really like edibles, and I, I don't maybe eat as much as edibles as I would like. Uh, I do have some currants and some juneberries and, and honeyberries and hazelnuts and berries and I've been noticing that a lot of squirrels like my hazelnuts before I get pick them too but uh, that's one good thing about working in the environment and, and loving the environment you can share uh, some of your produce with uh, some of the animals but you definitely want to watch uh, for your hazelnuts to be ripened and, and beat the squirrels to them if they know where they're at they will be there every year just to add a little bit on you know we've pivoted a little bit from winterizing trees to growing food um, mm. in your backyard. You know, when you look to fall and winter, what can our listeners be doing to sort of work on that growing edibles as the days get shorter and the ground gets colder? Yeah, this time of year in the fall, actually nurseries may still have some trees that bear fruit and uh, nuts uh, that you can actually plant this fall yet. Uh, you can plant juneberries or shrubs, all these shrubs, uh, currants and uh, juneberries, hazelnuts, apple trees or trees, obviously, uh, all these are available at some nurseries this fall. So that might be an idea. Look at your landscape. If there's a, a sunny spot in your landscape that you want to plant an edible garden uh, or a food forest, a little type area uh, with some full sun, uh, a lot of these plants don't necessarily need two to pollinate, but uh, many of these other plants, uh, maybe two would be a plenty and they, they are usually self-pollinating, but that, that would be a great idea this fall to maybe look at the opportunity of of uh, learning more about these edibles and what might be the edible shrubs, fruit and nut producers uh, that you can plant in your own backyard. Last question, Gary. What's a hashtag or a brief message that you wish would really take off, like millions of people are sharing it on social media? 
uh, yeah, maybe growing edibles would be a hashtag that, uh, or grow your own edibles uh, would be a hashtag that I'd use in the future uh, that people can can learn to eat off the landscape and have some fruits and nuts uh, that they can grow in their backyard. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Naturalist. Huge thanks to Gary for joining us. Visit extension.umn.edu and click Learn About and then Natural Resources to learn more about forestry, wildlife, and other dimensions of our environment, as well as finding your way to the resources that Gary described today. This episode was recorded over Zoom from our homes during the coronavirus pandemic in 2020. We hope you enjoyed the opportunity for some advanced training during your daily walk while gardening or while sitting at your desk. Give us a thumbs up or drop a comment to let us know you value the podcast. Pass it along to others. In the meantime, we look forward to sharing another episode soon. Stay safe, be healthy, and we hope you enjoy Nature in Place. Hey, I have a final special note to share this week. Did you know the Minnesota Master Naturalist Volunteer Program has just turned 15 years old last month? For 15 years, we've been connecting our mighty team of volunteers to local natural resources education, service, and community science across Minnesota. We are celebrating this milestone for the next two months through November 26th. If you'd like to help us celebrate, we invite you to make a gift to support a program that you love. Donors provide scholarships to train new volunteers, to invite guest speakers, expand our National Public Lands Day events, and explore new ways to get people outside. Whether you've been with us for 15 years or if you're just starting, we look forward to celebrating this milestone with you. To make a gift online, visit z.umn.edu slash mnatgive. That is capital M capital N at give. Mm-hmm.